Welcome to Road to Play Podcast. I am your game master, Kent Blue. We are an actual play podcast where I play tabletop role-playing games with my friends from all over the world. So if you're ready, grab a player sheet, grab some dice, and let's roll to play. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Roto Play Podcast. I'm your game master, Kent Blue, and this week we are back from behind the screen, and I have a special episode. It is the interview with Grant Howitt that Doug shoot a Victory Condition Gaming channel that I did over on the Victory Condition Gaming YouTube channel. Uh, it was a great interview. We start out talking about Grant's latest Kickstarter, Spire, which is wrapping up here pretty soon. Um... Fulfillment is wrapping up. The, the Kickstarter ended a while ago, but everything's about to push into where things are going out to the backers. And then we take a winding path down game design and everything, go straight past duck dicks, uh, and hit on a little bit of giraffe fighting. It was fantastic. This interview was so much fun. Grant is such a cool, cool dude. He is a brilliant game designer and a funny, funny man. Uh, I suggest you follow everything he does. I'll have down to his websites down in the show notes. So check those out. Go look up everything Grant has done. It's well worth your time. He's such an interesting, like I said, interesting, fascinating game designer and just all around cool dude. Nothing else really to talk about right now. Um, no appearances in the near future, but I'm sure we'll we'll touch on those here in a little bit. So I'm just going to dive right into this episode, the interview with Grant Howitt from the Victory Condition Gaming YouTube channel. All right. Hey, everyone. We're live. This is Doug from Victory Condition Gaming. Uh, welcome to what I hope is going to be a, uh, a monthly series that uh, we're going to have for the show. It's it's a, a designer spotlight. And... Uh, Today's designer uh, is someone that, uh, when I heard who they were and what they did, I, I immediately thought, "Let's let's get this person on and and, and introduce him to to hopefully some of my audience. Probably some of my audience probably already knows who he is, but uh, oh, wait a minute, wait a second. Let me. Uh, why is that? What a mystery! Who am I? <laughs> wait a second here. <laughs> Has it not been broken? Okay. There we go. No, I, I uh, had a little uh, had a little echo. I don't know why that is. Okay. Anyway, so uh, so let's yeah. Now now I'm all thrown off. I can't even I can't even. My think. name is Grant Howard. <laughs> <laughs> so today today on the show I have Grant Howard on the on the show. He's great game designer. He's done a ton of work, and and you've probably played. Most of his stuff, if you are an RPG player, you've probably played some of his stuff at some point. Also joining me is Kent Blue from Roll to Play Podcast. And uh, Kent, thanks for coming on, being my co-host for this. Kent is actually the reason why uh, I reached out to Grant, to be honest with you. Uh, Kent uh, put Honey Heist on his top five RPGs of 2017. We got talking about Honey Heist. And uh, I said, "Oh man, this guy said this Grant Howitt guy sounds like a genius. 
I need I need to reach out to Grant and talk to him. Like this this is crazy. This is awesome. It's it's like that fine line between insanity and genius. And I need to get this guy on my show. And well, so we I reached out to I reached out to Grant and, and mm-hmm. so Grant, thanks for coming on. Uh, let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about you. Let's, uh, why don't you introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about about Grant Howitt. So, uh, my name is Grant Howitt. I am a game designer. I used to be a uh, games games journalist, uh, as, as a video games journalist, um, sure. which was like the main thing I got out of that, where I got a lot of free games, a lot of free drinks, and a Twitter following. And then I lost the free games and the free drinks, but I kept the Twitter following, which I then leveraged into a career, career as a games designer. Nice. Um, so I put, yeah, I think I, I think with, without without though without that initial burst, I wouldn't be anywhere near as well received as I am today. Um, I write, I write games. I write some serious games, but most of them are a little bit daft. And I write, I write minimum one game a month. I, I release um, one page role playing games. In fact, we've got this month here. Here's a sneak preview um, called No Room in. Uh, it's called No More Room in Hell, which has. Which has uh, at least three GMs at any given time. Yep, uh, I back your Patreon, so oh, cool. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I have that one. It, looks, it seems really cool. I'm wanting to play it. I like I like the yeah. idea of having the multiple GMs and everything. I'm interested. Yeah. Uh, so, um, Honey Heist is the most popular one of games which I which I've created, um, mainly because I think I think you throw enough game design spaghetti at the wall, someone's going to stick, right? <laughs> you you think you think. Thing and like it's um when I wrote it I didn't think it was I thought it was fine but apparently like apparently it just works really well and it's a funny idea because bear stealing things is funny and it is funny always sure. but the mechanics seem to have functioned in a way which really helped people tell their stories critical role featured it which has basic basically I put my kids through college off that now <laughs> so I don't I don't have kids um <laughs> I wouldn't pay them to go to college but the point is. <laughs> Um, I'm a game designer, and I think my most recent work and the most exciting work I've done is Spire, uh, yes. which is a uh, we're using the word fantasy punk, which is a shame because no one knows what it means. But it's like it's it's what's it's like cyberpunk in the um, in cyberpunk you have the haves and the have-nots, and it's about the have-nots taking the technology and using it against the haves. We have that with religious magic and occultism, okay. so it's kind of fantasy punk in that respect. Uh, it's about a mile-high city with a rotting hole at the center, um, and you play um, subjugated dark elves who've been put down by cruel, uh, insanely beautiful high elves for the last 200 years, and you are doing an insurgents campaign against them, basically. There are no good guys, and no one really wins. It's Friday, it's our Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, nice. Now, now that was on Kickstarter. Uh, let's we can talk a little bit about your Kickstarter history because man, yeah. you, you've been hugely successful. Yeah, you, and they've been hugely yeah. successful. Yeah, I think like uh, like the, the first one, Goblin Quest, is hugely successful because I asked for I asked for I think two hundred pounds to write the book, right? Which was not enough money. <laughs> um, like I think like we ended up clearing that. It was like I think we got like twenty grand for that. Yep. Um, which was nice, and then we asked for two grand. Um, and then we had Unbound. Unbound is a um, is a, a I don't like the word generic, but it's a it's a universal role playing right. game, um, which has a really big focus on session zero and about making that world, making those characters at the same time. It does the I, I will say this without I, I don't think this is supposed to. It does the best session zero of any game I've ever I've ever played. It does not do the best session one, two, three, four, five. But that session zero. <laughs> 
Mm. <laughs> so, and, and honestly, if you think about it, like mathematically, there's going to be more session zeros played than there are any number of other, of other games. So, sure, you sure. know, yeah. in a way, isn't it the best role playing game? I think it is. The, and then, yep. and then we have Spire. Um, and Spire is a. I just explained that that went, that went fairly well. Um, we were, I think, we're about 150 pounds off um, beating Cthulhu Dark. Which was like my main yeah. my main goal when putting up Spire was 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 to get slightly more money than Graham Walmsley for for writing Cthulhu Dark and I failed. <laughs> so my mum won't speak to me anymore, which is a shame. <laughs> oh, that's that's great. Um, so which it, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Kim. Okay, I was gonna say it looks like um, I follow you on Twitter. It looks like you're you're yeah. pretty close to wrapping up the or well the main work of Spire. Yeah, so uh, Mainwork Aspire is all done. Um, we've got the... I, I have open on my desktop the second second to last PDF. We're waiting on one adjustment on some art going through. Then once that's through, we're all ready to rock. We'll have it... Uh, we, we're going to send out the um, uh, the PDFs to the backers on Wednesday and then hopefully as soon as possible set up some sort of means to distribute, like for people to buy the PDF as well because we, we, we want to capitalize on that when people are talking about it because they've got it. It seems daft and not have it for sale. Right. Um, and then we're going to be talking to printers and getting, um, like, basically, we've got two printers and we're going to have them fight um, and see which one offers us the cheapest books. I um, think I think that's the best way to figure that out. I, I, can't, I can't see why everybody doesn't do it that way. <laughs> um, well, that's the thing. So, like, so actually, just just, just from, a, from a purely logistical point of view, that, was, that wasn't something which we could afford to do. Um, on, on, so, like, on Goblin Quest and Unbound, we, we printed with a company called Lightning Source, Okay. Um, who do all the drive-through RPGs, um, like print-on-demand stuff now. Sure. And sure. the vast majority of it is, oh, can I swear on your show? What's that? Can, can you swear, swear on your can show? You swear? Mm, yeah, for the, just don't go crazy. The vast majority of it is bad. There we go. We'll go <laughs> <laughs> the, the quality of drive-through prints, especially those which have been sort of suboptimally ripped from PDFs, it's like it's very thin paper. The ink, the ink quality is very rich. It's not a pleasant reading experience. Um, but we we sort of had to go with those because that was the that was what we could afford to do. Now we've got now we've got a bit more uh, security around it, and we're planning to sort of turn this into a game line. We can afford to make we can afford to go to England, like a printer in England, and say hello there. Um, you know, we've got we we want to make the nicest book available. What can you do that isn't printing it on glass? Because like they'll print on bloody anything. It's all right. It's fine. Look, look, your daughter or a, she, a, a young a young woman of some kind is also featured on the picture. Yeah. Of your yeah. Channel. I, I don't, don't want to introduce her to three words. Yeah, she's my daughter. Not not some random. No, no, no. She loves board games. We can't get her to leave the house. But yeah, I, I you know it, it's fine. And if Ken Ken's been on my show a few times too, and, and Kent uh, has let some stuff slip from from time to time, and and even I have. So it's it's. I will do my best. It's 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 not not that big a deal. So, so you said you were working on some art for Spire. Now you have uh, the same art artist that uh, that that did Unbound also did Spire yeah, for you, right, Adrian, Adrian Stone? Adrian Stone is a wonder. That's great. Um, I love the art on both those projects. He's he's like he's just, he's just really like that guy. He lives in Devon. Um, he's just, he's a lovely chap. I've met him a couple of times. Gone for a pint with him a few times. Um, he is incredibly fast and incredibly easygoing. 
and he doesn't take direction, but he does he doesn't take direction in the best way possible. Okay. In the in the in like we'll give him a brief or something. And you can tell like occasionally you, you can sort of tell he's gone no and drawn something significantly better <laughs> which we did not ask for. Um hey. and like like yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. Like the the, the way which we work with the way we work with with contributors, the way we work with um, freelancers is we want to give them as much autonomy as possible to make things they're excited about. Because if we if we keep stepping in and micromanaging, then we start doing their job for them. They take we take up the creative uh, aspect. Um, it might it might end up costing us more in the long run, and it means that everyone just everyone has a much less good time. Um, so what we've done. Um, because Chris and I came, like came together and like we collaborated to to write this book, we've been there's no strict one canon as it were. Like the book contradicts itself, but also um, Adrian's art contradicts our text and Tim's map. Tim's incredible maps, like they're just like lunatic levels of detail he's put in. Most of that is lies, I presume, because no, none of it really gels up with what we could. All, it all just sort of oh, sorry that that was that was exaggeration. Tim had Tim has taken everything everything we wrote in the book and then written the reality had to fill an A zero scale map. Yeah, and no, it's so, crazy. And dude. so he invented a significantly large more a significantly larger amount of stuff. Um, but all these things come together to form. There's no sort of one thing we wanted to really avoid. Inspire was talking about the past too much because I get so incredibly bored. Whenever, um, like, whenever a game's like, oh, this game has over six thousand years of well-detailed history. What's happening tomorrow? Not what happened six thousand years ago. And right. so, we want to focus on the here and now. We want to give people hooks and stories and just sort of write a world which was very much on the edge of collapsing on itself, and then have the players go and push it. Um, and so, I think by having, by, by not being too strict with how we, with our canon and with our um, saying yes, yes to stuff and no to stuff. Um, we're trying to put the GM and the players in that mindset of yes, you can make stuff up. Yes, you can change this. You don't need to get the world right first time because it's your world. No, like there's no one's going to argue too much with you, um, uh, and and also you're the GM, so whatever or you know whatever at that point. Yeah, I love I love that. I like I like um, that control that you get as a GM as a player whenever everything's not. You know, here's exactly what happened back here yeah. that led to this, that led to this, that led to this, and just like, like, at which point you've written a novel without a plot, right. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm of the mind that unless your game's going to take me and put me in that past at <laughs> yeah, some point, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it it doesn't matter that much to me because I'm going to yeah. affect things going forward. I can't affect yeah. what already happened. So. We we also like we tried to communicate as much as we can through rules. Yeah. Um, and like also whether or not those rules are going to whether those rules are going to be so like we have four rules so if your player wants to become a cannibal who worships a giant obese sort of man demon who lives in a basement and I really hope no one takes that power <laughs> I really hope no one because like like it's got like swallow hole as, as, as one of the one of the uh, abilities and I really hope no one takes that but, but what we want to do is rather than write a paragraph that's saying oh the cannibals in Greece do this sort of thing we much rather say the players can do it but don't, because that's gross. But here are some rules, and it's like, it's like I think as, a, as 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 games designers, our main method of communication should be rules. We should look to mechanics and how those can power stories and how that can generate stuff, rather than writing it down and having the players effectively do a reading comprehension test before they're allowed to play. Yeah, sure. yeah. Mm. 
Sorry, I got, I got, got a bit angry. <laughs> no, that's good. It's, it's 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 great to see people, you know, folks passionate about uh, about yeah. what they do. That's yeah, uh, that's great. Um, so Spires is almost out. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see what else. What else? <laughs> I do have notes here. I, I... No, that's cool. <clears throat> so what else? Can you tell us about uh, about what you do? You you have you, I, I went on I went on your I went on your uh, your your website, and you've got all these different projects. You 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 have like you not not only are you a game designer, but you, you, in, over the years you've done all these other like little pro- these other projects that uh, like dropping and oh yeah okay so um we uh we used to be called Serious Business. We're now Rowan Rook and Deckard. Okay. Um, but that's uh, so, so like the, the co-author on Spire, Chris. Um, he and my my partner Mary, um, well my my wife, flavor partner, and now my uh, now she's my business flavor partner. We all came together, and now we are Rowan, Rick, and Deckard, which sounds a bit more impressive than our actual surnames. And they are um, they are all characters we played at some point. Oh, nice. Okay. But, um, Mary and I, my wife and I, used to be Serious Business, and yeah. Serious Business were a live games company. Right. Uh, so we used to run this thing called Zombie LARP, which was the least exciting name we could have given it. But it was <laughs> it was like so like we we'd never played a lot before. So I I played I played one evening of a World of Darkness LARP in which I was a wizard and didn't have any fun. And Chris had played half a morning of a run around Boffer LARP, and we we took each other aside and was like, "This is terrible. I'm sure we could do better. Should we do any research? <laughs> no." <laughs> and so like, we just, we just tried to design a LARP without ever having played or read a LARP before, um, and it went pretty well because we weren't like we didn't know what you were supposed to have. So we didn't have any character advancement. Right, like like the the average character lifespan in Zombie LARP was seven minutes, <laughs> <laughs> and it ran overnight. Oh it, was, like, it, it ran from ten p.m. till five a.m. In a um, in a in a sort of like, I, I, not a, a sports hall converted into offices in a university, and we had Nerf guns and everything was like there's, there's, there were basically no calls and the, the, what what happened was you died, and if you were very lucky you got out alive. But what the game became about was dying super well, okay, which, which is which just puts all your players in this brilliant mindset in the in the they're pushing really hard to do well, and then you sort of see this switch happen in the heads, and they're like, no, go on without me. And you occasionally you get three people arguing that they should all come on without each other. <laughs> uh, that sounds amazing. It does. It sounds awesome. Uh, it got picked up by quite a few people. I think it's been played in more continents than it hasn't. Wow. I think. Wow. Like, so, like, there was a game running in Kentucky for a while. We had one in Northern Australia. There's one in Israel and Italy. Uh, it's recently run in a, in a kids' camp in Germany, like a holiday camp. Um, it's still sort of taken over. So, like, we, we ran it in a in a there was this abandoned shopping mall. In Reading, which is which is now used, a company called Zed Events uh, use it now. But um, back in the day, they were just using it for airsoft things. So we used to hire it out, and it is a a full mall. So like you've got all all the all the, the sort of the the concourse with all the shops on it, and you've right. got kind of like a play area at the top with a ball pool and shit. I mean, and stuff. And then that, <laughs> and then down cool. underneath, you have the basement, and like every like every shop has its own basement for storage. So you go down there and it's all like red lit and these winding corridors. Oh, that's uh, it was, awesome. It was like we ran in there a few times and then unfortunately um, they realized they could make more more money running their own zombie game and hats off to them because they really did. Um, and then uh, me and uh, my, my partner, we moved to Australia 
uh, to follow her job. And so things sort of got split up, moved around. Sure. Um, but we currently doing stuff in Australia. In fact, we ran a game in Melbourne called Spirits Walk, where we we uh, we, we worked with local actors and we had these master gods of the city come up and had, and, had, and basically bribed you to perform social transgressions um, on one of the busiest nights of the year. It was and so like um, like you had um, uh, MP3 players which you shared earbuds with, and then you had you had to dance with a with with another random player, and you were receiving instructions, uh, but you were receiving different instructions. Shit like that. It was it was really wow. fun. Um, that so awesome. It was yeah, it was great. We've done that. Unfortunately, no one makes any money out of LARP. Right. I think sorry, I think there's about ten people in the whole world who make money out of LARP. I'm not one of them. It's a huge <laughs> amount of effort. Sure. Um, there's also a really high buy-in in terms of like if you want people to come in, like often they have to buy a kit, they have to get the elf ears, they have to get the weapons, you know, that sort of thing. Right, so it's right. quite expensive to start compared to even something like um if it's like role-playing games, you can get started for 40 quid. Like you can buy a big book, a, a big book for 40 quid, and you've got enough there to run a campaign, you know, right, buy right. a 13 page or a Shadow of the Demon Lord or what have you. Um and there's a there's a fairly big investment you've got you've got insurance costs you've got equipment upkeep you've got to you've got to try and find a venue you've got to get venues people can get to no right, um, right. so we we uh we folded that business oh we 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 did we we ran one game for 20th century fox oh really was, yeah you know that film abraham lincoln vampire hunter yeah 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 yep. Yep. you seen it yeah, nope. yeah, I've read the book. I, I, I read the book. A, my wife's read the book. We have it on our DVR. Actually, yeah. it's, it's on there. It's we just haven't got around to watch it. We we weren't allowed to watch it before writing the game. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't allowed to watch it before the game. Oh my god! How does that make sense? Uh, well, we 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 did we did a, a promotional game for like for like for the Blu-ray release. We did a time with that, and so we so we took over this nightclub. It's called Is Metal. It's from the Metalworks uh, in in North London, and we had sort of like um the we had a vampire hunting league um who were here and and, and basically we 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 got, we got a replica of, a, of abe's axe which okay. we had made and i i got as much as i could from wikipedia and watching the trailer eight times I was like oh, fuck it let's go <laughs> <laughs> this is this is why i really like grant man you were just <laughs> i tell you it's great like there's a lot going on. The amount of creativity that that, that you exude, and and yeah. I, I'm just speaking just from from you know, on just checking you know knowing you online, it's it's amazing. Like it's just it's crazy. Like that that's like I love creative people like that that, mm-hmm. that just that that are brilliant in certain ways that so, like most people don't think that way. And 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 so I'm so glad that you're on this channel and, and we get to chat because because I, think, I love people that that think the way you do. I think a lot of it comes down to well, when I'm speaking from a very privileged position, I should note because um, uh, I am, I have been, I've managed to get into positions of power um, in social circles and in say like a, like university circles, which let me run these games, which 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 gave me the capacity to do this. Also, I am a um, says straight-ish, able-bodied white dude. And so I have the capacity to, to to walk into a room and say something, and people right. will, uh, people and at least other straights will take me seriously. And so I, I don't, I, I'm kind of pushing an open door as far as creativity goes. But aside from privilege, I think the most important thing that people can learn is doing it. And that sounds really tough, but like I hear, I, I talk to my friends, and they have these great ideas. But they're waiting until it's perfect. They're waiting until they can get there. Um, and it's not it's, it's not like, it's not, uh, say, like a lack of time. People have been working on things for months and months and months. But 
if you wait until something's perfect and never release it, that's worse than releasing a bad thing. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. like, going ahead with something, and especially like in the in the in the the field that that, that I'm in in games design, you can afford to be fairly rough and ready with a lot of stuff because you've got a games master, you've got people who are affording you the benefit of the doubt. It's not like you're writing Overwatch. It's not like you're doing Starcraft. Right. You know, right. like balance doesn't have to be the be all and end all of what's going on. And of course, you can fix things as you go forward. And so, I think like uh, one of these one of the great things that I've experienced writing a one page game every month is that it's really, it's forced me to live by that. And so, like, I'll sit down and I'll try and have an idea. And if, if I've got something in the back of my head, then I'll sort of brew with it and play around with it. But it's taught me to um, to not be too precious about it. And, you know, that, that, that that's a pejorative word. Um, to not be too protective of it, to not be too scared, to not think, oh, people don't want to hear my ideas. People don't want to hear my ideas. They won't retweet it. It's fine. Like, I think, I think that the, the biggest advice I can give to anyone is to try and your first goes will suck. My first goes are terrible. I will never really, I will never release my first role playing game. <laughs> it was called Uncle Grant's comedy role playing game, and it's bad. <laughs> my second role playing game is still on the internet somewhere, um, and that's that's just that's just normal bad. That's fair. <laughs> and, and and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, how you know. Speaking as as a content creator, when mm. when I first started a few a couple of years ago, like. I had a hard time figuring out how to do things. Like I just kind of just said, I came up with this idea that I wanted to make content with my daughter and we just kind of mm. started doing, and you know, I, I, I had a mobile phone. So we like, let's, let's just do, you know, we'll shoot stupid videos and, and, and all this and that. But you, you slowly learn and, and, and just by, by attempting to do something and keeping at it and, and putting passion and drive into it, you, you do start to get better and you start to hone what you do. And I'm, I'm still not the greatest content creator and, and I'm, you know, but I, you, there's something satisfying about putting stuff out there and going, Oh yeah, this is so much better than, you know, two, yeah. two things ago. And two, 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 yeah. Like two, two projects ago. There's exactly. A, there's an analogy I like to use. Um, like, uh, so like a, 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 pro a proper kitchen, especially in France has yeast. They have a mother of yeast. Mm -hmm. everybody, which is sort of the base, you know, living lump of nightmare that yeast comes out of. And they leave it open. They leave it open in the kitchen. And then every meal that's cooked, every particle that goes into the air, um, that all goes into the yeast and changes it, absorbs it. And the I think the analogy I'd like to use is that if you, even if you completely bugger up a meal, you completely your, your meal completely tanks, it's added to the yeast. It's adding to your creativity, it's teaching you as you go forward. And also, you've learned not to burn it in that way again. But the idea is like it's it's almost like you're working towards the you're you're getting better and you're learning what your mistakes are. If if, if you did something perfect the first time you did it, you're overlooking something, or you're like you're not you're not doing it perfect. And so there's you have to go out there and you have to suck. And yep. um, I think it helps to be um, likable and kind and interested and to be to try and get involved in as many different communities as you can. Um, and you know, not just like from a mercenary point of view, but take a genuine interest in other projects, take a genuine interest in other games, Absolutely. and from that, you're going to start to build something around you. Where even if you release something that sucks, people are excited because you did it, yep. and that's yep. really helpful. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I totally, uh, I, I totally agree with that statement. Hundred yeah, percent. That's a that's a really great analogy, really. Um, that everything you're doing is, you know, it, no matter how it comes out, yeah, it's definitely helping 
down the road and, and you know, preparing you. something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's, that is going to stick with me months in, in years down the, down the, that, that right there, that just, the, just that little snippet that, that like, like a sticky ball of yeast. I, I love it. I love it. And I, I'm going to, I, I, he, we like, you know, one time I had Grant Howard on and he oh, told me about this yeast ball. And come out here, come out here, grandkids. Come up on my knee. I remember this one time. You wouldn't know him. President Brown Howard. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's great. To, it's, it's a great analogy, and and uh, I I love. It's, it's not mine, but thank you. No, no, it's just I, I'm I I love little things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Kent, uh, Kent, do you have? Uh, any, I, I don't want to hog the spotlights. <laughs> no, so it's all right. I, 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 I told. I, I just I've been in, I've been enjoying listening. And, I know. Kind of kind of forget that I'm part of it. Just I mean, you know. Grant's so interesting. Uh, well, you're so interesting. See, I'm saying Grant's so interesting as if I'm not part of this. Um, <laughs> I mean, I found I found you through your one-page RPG Patreon because uh, that's where I heard, I guess, I think Honey Heist is probably where I first really heard your name and and everything around that, so that I started exploring it. And I just, I like rules lights games, you know, small games. That's more what I feature on my show, uh, my podcast. And so just I heard one-page RPGs, and I was like, that's fascinating. As a, just as a concept that you're going to do this RPG on just one one sheet of paper and one and a so, month, yeah, and that's crazy. That, and I, that's I'm, insane. I'm, yeah. yeah, and then I, I went and looked at it um, and looked at the games that had been released and everything, and and every game is is so. I mean, it's a wide range. It's not like you're doing like yeah, yeah. copy and paste with a different theme. You're doing different rule right, sets, different right. games, and it's just well, really, it, it just to, to not repeat ourselves. Um, it's it's interesting because like it's it's a huge challenge to do stuff on one page. I'd much rather write. Well, I say much rather. Obviously, I enjoy doing the one pages. Um, like it's nice because it's, I, I like having the constraint. But it's significantly easy to write a four page RPG if okay. you've got room. That's the thing. Well, because like if you've got four pages, you've got enough room to like just sort of waffle around a bit. Maybe have an example of play and get a few side things in there, and that's fine. Whatever. Like. Um, Generally, what I do is I'll write it up in Google in Google Doc. I do all my work on Google Docs, um, mainly because um, because I write with, with with a co-author. We we often do it live, so it's good to see something with live updates. Uh, but I'll, I'll fire it off, I'll fire it in the Google Doc, and then I'll try and wedge it onto a page of A4 somehow. And I'll go through and cut out as much as I can. But but invariably, in the writing down process, there's another editing thing. Oh, actually, actually, I didn't need to say that sentence. I guess that I guess the gym will have to infer that. Sort of thing. So it's it's a huge challenge. Um, I think as well, I was really keen to not do anything that was like a setting or that was like a um, a D twenty, like 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 a character class for a game of D twenty or something which like which relied on you on on you knowing other rules. I wanted to have like this is literally the whole thing. True. Um, and like on the back, generally you get stuff which like there's kind of bonus content on the back pages of it. So um, I've got I've got Trashkin in front of me here. That's a Trashkin is a game which you play. Um, so I print them out because I'm sending them out to people. You play uh, half possums or rat boys or pigeonkin that sort of thing. And on the back, it's got it's got like a word search you can do if you're bored. <laughs> um, it's got a drawing of an ibis boy uh, and trash music, including the spell filthy jazz. <laughs> Anyone who hears these greasy rhythms feels nauseous. Now, now, now Ken, you you featured that on on your on your show, right? Yeah, I ran Trashkin. Um, I really enjoyed it. I'm uh, glad it's, I I, got, it, it, it turned out satirical to the point it, where failure is almost not impossible. <laughs> uh, it, it it wasn't my best game because um, 
and I'll go, I, I can tell you about this later. Something really threw me off at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as I started, something threw me off. So that whole game I was thrown off and I was, mm-hmm. even though it's one page of rules, I was like messing up rules and stuff. So, so then I just, I was like, well, I'm just going to kind of focus on the story we're telling yeah, yeah, mostly yeah. here. And, but well, that's the thing. Like, every game is a jumping off point. I know, yeah. like, um, when I was younger, I was much more of a um, staunch believer that you should use every rule. Um, and therefore, if a game had too many rules, I wouldn't play it. And I think now that ga- like the idea of a game is not simply as a manual, but as a as a thing which can set you and your friends off off into telling a story. And if 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 there's if, like, if a fun story comes out of it, and even though you didn't use the rules exactly exactly as written down, there's some merit to be had in that. I think there's yeah. some merit in this merit in just in, and also like in enjoying reading a game. I mean, I I'm gonna make an assumption about both of you boys. All three of us here read more, like buy more RPGs than we'll ever play. Is that correct? That uh, yeah. is yeah. very, very <laughs> correct. Um, that because 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 it, it it takes you can take hundreds of hours to mm. actually you know play a role playing game, especially something like Dungeons and Dragons, the way the, you know, the way it's intended to be played. And so to think of role playing games instead as something which you can play, which is great, but are also just designed to be evocative things which are enjoyable reads and to sort of think like, oh man, I can imagine my character doing that. Wouldn't that be fun? And then it's closing the book and never going back to it. That's also good. I think I think we need to sort of relax um what our idea of a proper role playing game is. Um mainly just because um Monty Cook has had a stranglehold on that for far too long. I can't. I can't. Listen, I, I like I like Monty's work. He's not, he's not written a bad game, right? Right. Him. But um, Invisible Sun made me feel some things. Um, <laughs> it made me feel quite. It just it just sort of like there was so much stuff in there, and right. so much so much of the world was defined, and there was a hand you got which held up a card. I don't think yeah. you needed the hand. And there was a game board. And there was so much there. And it's like, it's supposed to be mysterious. Couldn't you let them make it up? <laughs> right, like, right. You don't right. have to sell it in a 200 pound box. And I think I got a bit frustrated about that. Um, yeah. yeah that, think, that, that's what happened to me with that game. Yeah. Yeah. Or have, have you played it? No, I, I looked oh, at yeah. it. I was yeah. like, this seems really cool. And I looked at it. I was like, oh. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, there's so much there's in so there. Much you know? I, I think, I think like, there's no small amount of this is jealousy. Um, because, <laughs> because, because, because money has, has his own business oh, named yeah. after him, um, and they ha- he has the sort of um, uh, proven track record and weight to throw around. He can go, guys, I've got this batshit lunatic idea. You know, <laughs> you know new No. <laughs> which contains your fantasies oh, okay monty sure how much do you want and that and yeah. like, like i think there's no small amount of jealousy there because like oh i'd love to do that. sure sure no <laughs> i'd love for spire to just be released in a perfectly reflective rowboat which you have to unfold <laughs> <laughs> and then the rules the rules are described via a punch and judy puppet show oh man <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I, I don't think much about about design, but one day I want to design a game that makes people say, "Where am I going to put this in my house?" <laughs> <laughs> this, this game is unusually warm. Should it be warm? Yeah, you want to store that outside. <laughs> you gotta, you've you've got to store this game in your freezer, and yeah. you can only play it on Tuesdays. Now listen, y'all want to keep this game submerged <laughs> under oil. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, oh, that's crazy! Sorry, I keep, I keep doing your voice. 
I'm so intoxicated by this. It's, 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 Kent's got a great voice. I mean, oh, and his podcaster is is. I'm I'm, I'm going to plug in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, absolutely. I'm surprised he doesn't do radio work, to be honest with you, or voiceover work. Um, I'm I'm going to plug his podcast just for a second. Uh, if you haven't uh, subscribed or checked out uh, Roll the Play podcast, you you definitely could, should. Uh, I I put the link uh, to Kent's. Uh, podcast in, in the uh, in the description of this video so please go check uh, roll to play he's uh, he's putting out some great work this is a guy right here grant that man right out the gate he's putting out great content and like he you know how you said you would never put out your first rpg or publish it this guy's first podcast home run man he, he just he's he's doing some good stuff what's like, you think, like what, what what's he not telling you that's what that's what you're yeah, that's what he's doing. <laughs> where's, he, where's he learned this um what where's he learned the craft i don't know man. I, I, he's studying listen. under secret podcast monks in the andes there there is a reason i spend about you know six to seven hours a week editing an hour-long podcast now, see, <laughs> that, that's the other thing you can do you can try Yep. Yeah, I've never really been big on trying. <laughs> <laughs> My podcast is the only thing I try on. Everything else yeah. I don't try on. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I edit my podcast whilst painting, which shows you how much. Oh. You how much. No, actually, I think that that'd be pretty good because uh, yeah. you know, your brain, because I know when I'm painting, my brain just kind of wanders off and I come up with like all these different like ideas and thoughts. And, and this is what I built. Editing my last podcast, it is an ogre. An ogre? I don't know. He's got a dreadnought for an arm. I've really got it in. I've really got into the Inquisitor Twenty Eight movement, which is just incredibly weird. Forty K models. Sure. So um, I'm just. I'm just. I've got. I've, I've accrued. I've been buying unlabeled boxes of bits off eBay and just sort of mashing them together like a mad scientist. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. It's lovely. That that's uh, that sounds like a blast. It's a lot of fun. So Grant, uh, what? Uh, I actually, we, we kind of talked a little bit about uh, about this, but but how do you come up with your ideas for your one page RPGs? And I'm going to tell anybody if anybody is interested in uh, in Grant's one page RPGs, I'll put a, the link to his Patreon uh, in this in this video, and uh, you should go take a look. I think if folks what uh, donate like five is it five dollars? I think uh, is what so, I remember so, seeing. Um, five dollars is kind of hey Grant, thanks for making these games, and right. that means. Uh, you get access. You get access to the game an hour, uh, a, a week before everyone else, which isn't really super important because it's going to come out for free a week after that. But it's worth saying thank you generally. Sure. Fifteen uh, fifteen dollars. I print out and uh, sign the role playing game, and you get the the back sheet of content as well, which I'm never releasing online. Um, and then at fifty dollars uh, a thing, I will I will make something for you and put it in every envelope. And I've had a few people do that, and I'm quite confused as to why. <laughs> like, like it's the thing, and it's like I don't I, like I won't write a whole other role playing game. So generally, I'll do a drawing. I'm not very good at drawing. I'm alright, so I'll, I'll I'll do a very big drawing and then fold it up and do it. <laughs> um, so my ideas. Um, what happens is I wake up every morning and I go through to the kitchen and okay. I drink a I drink a like you know the, what do they call it this big uh, this big percolator mugs of coffee yeah, like yeah, big, well, I drink, I drink, a, I drink a whole one of those standing up shirtless <laughs> and then and then smoke an entire packet of cigarettes on my way to the train now then I board the train now the important thing about the train is the train goes to the forbidden zone where griffins are so I've got I've got like my bone spear obviously sometimes I take a shotgun that's cool I ride there 
to the mm. Forbidden Zone. Okay, now, the Griffins, they're wily creatures. They're cunning. Some of them are older than time. They don't really age the same as us. So you've really got to work hard. Like, some of them speak with the tongues of men. Some of them can control the weather. Really dangerous. You get one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight the Griffin. We're talking, like, three, four, maybe five hours on a bad day. I take sure. that down, split open the ribs, eat the heart. Super important. Got to eat the heart before it gets cold. And then... On my hugely muscled body, I won't show you now because, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a kid-friendly show. On my hugely muscled body, a single rule appears. Um, then I, go, I, I ride the train back home, another packet of cigarettes, another pot of coffee. My six wives sort of wash all the ichor or ick off me and then ascribe notes down the um the rule um, nice. but it, it, it does drive him mad so you know i'm running up running low on scribes i'm running low on this kid that's game design boys that that I mean, makes sense to me I mean, yeah no you know. i i, I kind yeah. of thought i had the idea that that's how it worked but you know I, i'm glad that i finally got got a concrete to get the, <laughs> the, the proof that that's how how it goes oh do you want the God, actual answer or was that fine I think, what, I think I'm good. Yeah, cool. I think I'm good there. Oh man, Grant, uh, <laughs> this is this is exceeded any any kind of expectation that I had I had hoped for this for this uh, chat. It just true. Oh man, so great, so great. Yeah, is there anything you'd like me to ask you about? Oh please, please! Oh no! Great, turn the interview okay. over. That, that's an amazing idea. Are those Valentine's cards behind you? Are those Valentine's Day cards behind me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow! Yeah, they still are up. Oh, okay. When when do you think it's the right time to take down Valentine's cards? Uh, probably like a while ago, considering mm. my wife. Uh... Here's the thing, right? Val- okay. It's not like Christmas where you get them and it's like, oh, a Christmas card, nice. And you sort of display that as there and you take them down, let's say January the 6th, you know? Right. Valentine's Day cards, you get them, then what? Like, you put them up, and then when you take them down, is it like, well, I no longer wish to celebrate our love? How does that work? <laughs> I, mean, I, get, I get these, val- I mean, people at my work pass out Valentine's Times Day cards because we have to have fun in that soulless place and I get them and they sit oh, on my desk. Sorry, de- mandatory Valentine. It's not. It's. I don't think it's mandatory because the emails say voluntary. This is voluntary. Wow. <laughs> but they, and- they they sit on my desk. I take the candy. I bring it home to my kids and then the Valentine sit on my desk and I'm looking at them. I'm like. Well, these put in the effort at least to go to Walmart and buy them. So I have this mental struggle of do I just do I put them in the trash now? Do I put them in a drawer and then sneak them into the trash in a day or two? I just I don't know what to do with them anymore. I, I listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you money. All right. All point. right. If they're, if they're buying them for everyone, right? Right. No one really knows what they're getting. No, no one can remember what they get. And also, also candy and shit, that's incredible. That's like, that's, that's like the least romantic expression of Valentine. But anyway, so you take the cards home and you, and you make yourself, oh, this is so sweet. Thank you. Yeah, I'm definitely down to bone or whatever it is you say when you're going to Valentine. I've got a wife and kids, I'm assuming from the picture I can see in the background. But anyway, look, you seem super hot. Thank you. You go home, you take that card, and then you get. A little sticky note. You put it over the to and from bits, and then you write their own names back on it. And then next year, <laughs> next year you turn up, give all those cards. Maybe not the candy. You give all those cards back. Yeah. 
and you and then people will give you cards. So you can just keep repeating it over and over. And it looks like you've bought a specialized, personalized card. And because because they picked up the card, they'll be like, "Oh, what a nice card! I love this." See, I think I think what everybody should get out of this interview is Grant Howard. Yeah, great game designer, brilliant mind, just beautiful life guru. I mean, you're mm. just you're giving out just a fantastic life advice. It, it, it's you know, it is it, it's. My takeaway is now next year when people give me Valentine's Day cards, I'm going to look them in the eye and I'm going to say, yes, I'm down to bone. I don't care who they are. I'm yeah. sure it'll get me yeah. in trouble with HR, but I'm going to do it. Like, 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 look, like, look them right now and just be like. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to pull out this giant hairy man nipple. Of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Rub it a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to hand them my phone, dial HR, and let them call. While I'm okay, I've, I've dialed 911. We'll push one. Okay. Oh, man. See, I, right. I, I, I work in, uh, I, I don't like to really, but I, I work in a, a manufacturing plant. I work in the office of the manufacturing plant. So, like, what, what Grant just did right there. Like if I went around and gave all the guys Valentines, that's actually the that some of them would actually do that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so I'm not uh, I'm not going to do that. I think. That's so <laughs> See, strange. Yeah, yeah. Well, some the guys in, in my plan are awesome. They're so oh, funny, like, but yeah, they like, they yeah. would do that just to mess. No, 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 sorry, that isn't the strange bit. The previous bit where you can Valentine's for everyone in the office. I, I, I know. I was, I was playing Flippage last night. Apparently, people spend twenty six dollars on their pets every Valentine's Day. That is the average American spend. Wow. Yeah, we're messed up. I like my cat, but I don't want to, you know, seduce him. My cat, my cat likes meat slurry. I give him meat slurry four times a day, and he's perfectly happy with it. It's not like I've got some lingerie. I'm gonna try and handle it into. I love my cat, but I don't. That is the quote. That is the quote. That is the tagline that I'm gonna use to promote this video. I like my cat, but I don't want to seduce them. Grand Howard. I mean, that's 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 the that's the best possible. I don't like my cat, but I do want to seduce them. I, mean, I, feel, I feel like there's an RPG now somewhere. Someone's no, gonna make about seducing no, no, your cat. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna write. Jesus, it's disgusting. It's a cat. <laughs> Maybe if you play a cat, that's cool. If you just like you play cats, like really horny. Nah, you know. <laughs> they got real weird dingus as cats. Like, I wish they and they sort of get like locked in. You know, with the. Uh, and they sort of you know, they got barbs and it. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh my what about duck penises? Oh, I know. I've, I've <laughs> I know a little bit. Of <laughs> I don't know where to go with this. <laughs> I'm lucky. Okay, guys, uh, you guys continue. I'll be back. No, I'm just. Kidding. Oh my Doug, god, do, this is how much do you know about about duck penises? How how much do we what how much do how we much know? do you know about duck? Penises? I don't know. No, that's not uh, that's not an area of my expertise. I'm sorry. Do you like no. ducks? Do, do I like dugs? Uh, dogs? Du no, du ducks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, man, I really hope you. Think, how much do you know about dog penis? I really, yeah, you know I really about hope you think he said. How much do you know about dog penis? <laughs> I don't know. Mine seems normal. <laughs> um, 
No, you know what? You know what? This this is a gaming show. I won't I won't go into great detail on duck penises, but please, listener, watcher, look into duck penises because yep. those things are nightmares. Oh yep. They're nightmares. Okay. They are they're terrifying. They are they are they, they are ex- they're spring loaded corkscrew nightmares. Easily longer than the duck. I don't it should, oh, be, it should be a weapon. I mean, it should be like its own weapon class. I mean, it kind of is. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, anyway. anyway. Oh, man. <laughs> all right. Is that, is that all the questions you wish to ask? Or be wow. I'm gonna, I'll ask. I don't, there's there's lots of questions. Oh, there's lots God. of questions I want to ask. Let's steer us off this uh, bonanza of words. <laughs> oh, oh. I mean, oh I was I was gonna ask, and I mean, I don't know if there's a good transition, but I was gonna ask like, what type of games you enjoy like playing in or running, you know, just <laughs> at, at home or in your local games. I can only think of a duck clock. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> um, uh, while I'm running, I like I'm currently running uh, Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Ed. Um, I <clears throat> I like Fourth Ed. I thought it was okay. I think he didn't quite deliver on what he needed to it's, in terms of like feeling like Dungeons and Dragons. I think it was a cracking game, but it just didn't quite gel. Um, I'm running Fifth Ed, which is a welcome change. I'm doing a. Did you guys have Big Brother in your country? Yes. Oh, I was going to ask you about this. I was going to ask you about this because mm. my my family is a huge. We we love Big Brother in this house. We're actually watching Celebrity Big Brother on oh, okay. uh, on TV right now. What uh, what I saw your post about the Dungeon Dragon, Dungeon, the Dungeon of Ten Thousand Eyes. Yes. Um, which is uh, which which is recently uncovered, and so it's kind of it's kind of a dungeon built deliberately to be a dungeon. So it's got death traps and stuff in it. So it doesn't like the traps don't have to make sense. And all around there are hovering eyes and eyes in the walls, which are broadcasting it to every magic mirror in the kingdom. Um, and mm-hmm. so teams of adventurers have got into this. Um, they go in and they, and they have to try and get that. They, they, they get these tokens they can do, they, they can spend on like, spend in a store. So I'm like, I don't have to detail every bit of my new show, the dungeon. I can kind of keep that. And also we have just like the players put in tokens that then, then they sort of watch me roll on the random item table. So they know it's all sort of, it's all sort of fun and surprising. Okay. Um, one player got two helms of comprehend languages and can't read that sort of shit. <laughs> um, and the um, in between levels, they all go off and they live in the Big Brother house, uh, where 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 they all level up and then get interviewed by. Uh, we, we have a woman called Davina McCall on our Big Brother, so we have Davina McCork who has big tusks, and she and she, she does interviews. That's that's my current one. I'm playing with a with a group of people who don't really haven't played much in the role playing games before. Okay. This is like for a lot of them, this is their second game. And like I ran a um, it was a. It was uh, it was a game about a, it was another game of D and D about a girl's finishing school set in a zeppelin. It was called St. Zeppelins, and for their final year examination, they had to go on an adventure. So they just they just sort of they beat up a vampire. Point is, they're very new to it, and so it's lots of fun to try and explore that with them and like force myself to use the rules sure. because I, we run it in a pub. And Grant gets less bothered about DCs the, the longer the night goes on, we'll say. <laughs> okay. uh, to the point, like the last campaign ended when they summoned Kesha. <laughs> uh, that, that sort of thing. Um, so really? I'm, tr- I'm, tr- I'm trying to try to reel that in a little bit. Um, I really like. Let's have, let's have a look at the old shelf. We're running away. Sure. Um, 
I've got an, I'm, I need to play some more Necromunda. That's not, I know that's not a role playing game, but um, I really, I really love the uh, the Asher models, especially, and like the, the board looks quite nice set out. So I want to play sure. some more of that. Um, I'm playing in just got finished with the Monster Hearts campaign. Okay, yep. huge amount of fun. Yeah. Uh, I played played a vampire, and I managed to basically level up by getting people to try and have sex with me, and then not having sex with them. <laughs> um, which was, but that's that's how the vampire does it. Yeah. Uh, that was that was fun. It was really cool to have sort of just like a, a more emotional, um, like teenage horror live game, which was cool. Uh, we're starting a Chronicles of Darkness game, which I'm really excited to explore because the last the last version of what I played was New World, which is now 15 years old. Um, but that's like the like the the blue book, the cover, like the World of Darkness that I I, I played uh, Changeling and Hunter and that sort of thing. But I haven't used Chronicles yet, and I'm really interested to see how those rules have developed and changed over time. Um, generally, I like games where i am allowed to make things up yeah um, or where or where so like i'm getting a bit more osr in my in my in my twilight years now i'm 31 oh my um, gosh 31 so old <laughs> but um i think i think like trusting more to the gm and letting the gm come up with stuff and like and like i'm like saying if the player rolls a one do something interesting that sort of ethos Sure. Rather than rather than there's no rules for crit fails because that wouldn't be fair. So like, well, don't worry about fair. We're telling a story, you know. Yep. Yeah. Mm. More more story driven stuff. Yep. Yeah. So you met, you mentioned that your D and D game has a bunch of new new to ro- sorry new to role playing game uh, <laughs> yeah. players. Which um, on my show I've had a lot of people. This is their first time playing role playing games, and yeah. you know at times that's my favorite people to play with. If if. Mm-hmm if they fall into it and I tell them yeah. at the beginning, I'm like, I'm like, there's going to be a point in this game where you fall into the game where, where mm-hmm. you get on board because you, you see the change happening. You see them go from questioning everything to they're like, oh, okay, I can do this. And they're like, Oh, and, I understand. And then eventually they're like, Oh, I can do anything. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that's my favorite moment when they realize, Oh yeah, I can, even though I'm just this like garbage man, I can I can throw a fireball <laughs> into this guy's face because I mean, I don't like to tell people no in my games, you know, they're like, they're like, can I, can I found I, the fireball can, in the garbage. Yeah, <laughs> can I can I pull a fireball out of my butt? Well, of course you can. I mean, yeah, go for it. I mean, so I mean, take, watching them take, realize take damage, and then we'll and then then yeah. throw it. Watching them, watching them realize what they can do in a role playing game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just a great moment for me. You sure. know, because you're taking this because everybody, not everybody, most people come in with this preconceived notion of what a role playing game mm-hmm. is because of Dungeons and Dragons. You know, they think, oh, this is what it is. I'm gonna, I've got to count arrows. Yeah. I've got to have a ten foot pole. I've got to write down all my rations. Yeah, That's what, yeah, yeah. Um, so so I sit these guys down to play police cops, and I'm like, at the beginning of the game, I'm like, I'm like, if you want to do something, do it. Yeah, and so. They don't really catch on, but as they do, you know, then I have a guy running across a herd of cows, stepping on their heads, you know, yeah. and then gets to the end of it and uppercuts a guy into the ceiling. And yeah. it's just, you know, you go from that moment where they're like, well, I want to point my gun at him to yeah. just the fantastic, you know. I'm, I'm going to throw my gun at his gun yeah. and they're going to make love. Yeah. I'm and then my gun's going to gonna shoot and bounce off that guy <laughs> back there and kill the, you know, it's, it's just, it's a, for me, yeah. it's a wonderful moment seeing people just yeah they just they realize what they can do have you played wushu are you aware of wushu um i'm aware of it i haven't played it but yeah i'm aware um, of it it's i it was, it was the first game i properly ran um as a as i was around i'd be 19 years old when i when i properly got into role-playing games nice uh, well like when I, when I started like i was obsessed as a teenager but i didn't have any friends who would play with me i lived in i lived, I lived in quite a rural um area of portugal actually 
Um, and so it was really hard to get together a group. Blah, blah, blah. So when I hit university, I started playing full time. But Wushu was very interesting to me, and in that I what I'd learned about I'd learned about Dungeons and Dragons, I'd learned about World of Darkness, I'd learned about these all these fairly sort of current fight games, which give players these very limited sets of levers to pull. And it's like, well, like, as like as, as, like as a ranger, you've got the lever: shoot good, um, have wolf friend, um, bad magic, track. And those are the four things you can reliably do in a game. And Wushu is more just like, you're a ranger, tell me what you do. And you, you can say whatever you want as long as the GM isn't like, all right, reel it in, buddy. And so just for, from a creative point of view, it's fascinating because it means you skip to the fun part. It means you do everything and it's really cool. And it's almost like it's exhausting. It ruined other games for me. You can't play it for more than about two hours. But I, 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 would, I would like to take this opportunity to recommend Wushu. Uh, it's a, it's a lovely, it's a lovely game. Just, just, just in terms of an idea and what it can teach the players. Yeah, yeah. I will definitely, I will definitely have to, to look more into that one. Mm. I have, I've definitely heard the name before. So. Mm. It's worth looking at. Um, drop a question on me. I'm ready and waiting for your hot questions. Good. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Go, go, go ahead, go. kid. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. I, 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 I took I took control of most of the beginning <laughs> part of this. I, I, I and I'm right. still I'm still recovering from the whole duck penis thing. Mm. And I just yeah. just hey 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 Doug hey Doug yeah. just while we're talking search for a picture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get it get it get that image in your mind. Yeah, no. Let's let's, let's do that. That's gonna be great. Let's. Uh, all right, so I'm going to ask. A, well, it's not really a question, but well, it is hey. a question because it's going to. Have you oh ever my God. seen? <laughs> my God, no. Hey, Daddy, hey, Daddy, can I watch your show? No, that's <laughs> funny. No, no, no we're funny. not. Uh, no. Yeah, no, it's not good. No, no, it, it, wow. it didn't come out right. It didn't come out right. Uh, wow. Yeah. Right. So yeah, <laughs> the most. <laughs> this is not role playing game related at all. The most violent thing I've ever seen in my life is giraffes fighting. Have you ever seen giraffes fighting? Oh yeah, it's so cool. Oh, it's so it is it's so violent. Just, they use uh, the whole of the neck. <laughs> yeah, and they just swing it at each other so hard, and there's just cracking. And it's, it's just it's awful. That's what happens when you make me ask the questions, Doug. <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't really a question per se. It, 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 I mean, like, it's like you told me this one time you saw you saw yeah. it. It was it was a, it was a story in the form of a question, I guess. Yeah, no. <laughs> have you seen giraffes fighting? That, that was the question, yes. I guess. Yes, yes, I, I have. Just, I like to talk about giraffes fighting. I don't know. I would. I, I think like if they weren't so endangered and hard to put forward, that's a much better blood sport than than bullfighting. Yeah, it's sure, competitive sure. giraffe fighting. You yeah. get a giraffe jockey in there, and I presume he's armored like a like a like a Terminator, like <laughs> space I mean, Yeah, like or, or like you just get like some, some sort of like angular plexiglass wall around you as these <laughs> things smash it. That'd be great. I wonder how many fights a giraffe can get through before it dies, even if it wins. I mean, I, the way they're hitting each other. I mean, you think it just ends with a with double death? The way yeah. the way it looks. I mean, I, I don't know how you how you walk away. Yeah. yeah. I, see, I, now I'm going to have to Google that when when we're done because I've never seen giraffe fighting. I feel it's so out of the loop. The, the recent uh, David Attenborough did a show called Africa on BBC, and that's got incredible giraffe fights in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful! Proper like proper like paper used. <laughs> wow! You know when when I was doing when I was doing my research and my notes uh, for for this whole session, 
I never even thought of adding giraffe fighting to. <laughs> a, no, it's okay. You know, and duck penises. I guess you know. <laughs> after look, after look, today, that will look, look, be in your mind. You're, I gotta make you're, sure. you're still starting out. You need like like one day you'll 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 know what to research. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, you know, I thought I was prepared, but evidently I wasn't. I mean, I mean, the internet is just this open portal to everything. Oh, you tell yeah, me. Open wound. Wound. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, uh, so what yikes. else? Uh, what, what else, uh, Grant? Do you have coming up? Uh, what, you got? You got any Kickstarters coming up this uh, this year? Because it seems like you're almost yeah. on like a yearly schedule at this point. Yeah. Um, we're trying not to. I think if we if we don't have to do a Kickstarter, we don't want to. Like okay. it's obviously it's really nice to get that huge sack of cash. Sure, sure. From key Kickstarter, although he does take ten percent, but hey ho. Um, what we're going to do? We're going to look at how Spire goes. So depending on how that launches and how that uh, how that's received and how the initial launch goes and like uh, we're we're publishing um, three adventures, uh, pay what you want alongside it. Okay. Uh, so we put you one downloadable just to sort of give people one kind of a teaser without buying the book and also to sort of let them get going on on an adventure as it were without having to worry like so 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 to help the GM focus down to a specific bit of spine. Um, if that goes well, we're we're currently in the process of writing a book based uh, called High Society. Uh, which is about the sort of the the ruling echelons of Spire and the uh, like noble blooded um, dark elves who are sort of operating as sympathizers, sympathizers, um, turncoats, I suppose, um, to the high elves. Talking about that and how, and how that fits in with the low side and how that works. If the yeah, so if the launch goes well, we'll look into releasing that. Um, we are and like there's there's a lot we can write. Sure. Um, like there's a lot of stuff which has gone unexplored. There's a lot of stories which we can tell. Um, there's a lot of different um, rules which we can write to, like, to, to give characters more options and stuff. And so that's something which I'm interested in doing, um, but only if we get enough of a support for it, because I don't want to just throw stuff into the void if no one's playing it. Right, right. Um, one thing which we've been toying with for a while is um, we've, been, we've been knocking it back and forth between Chris and I for about the last six months or so, um, eight months, is Hunt, which is the idea that um, the... Uh, it's a it's a kind of a cross between the Witcher and Monster Hunter. Okay. Um, in the oh, sorry, the Witcher, Monster Hunter, and Torchbearer. There you go. Um, so um, you play a group of four dudes, maybe one of whom one of whom knows knows a guy who owns a sword. That level of that level of mastery, and um, you're like you're on this rain swept island, and you are like these horrible monsters which are coming and threatening civilization, and you are one of the cadre of people who go out there and keep. Keep the keep the village safe from monsters, and then go and take the monsters apart and sell their bits for you know money. And um, like we want to write a fairly grim, um, basically at no point during Hunt do I want it to not be raining, that sort of thing. Um, and so like we're we're at the process like we we've, we've just we've just now just sort of like as a bit of fun we've knocked together a first possible system for it. Okay. Um, but that's like once um, once Spire is once Spire is done and dusted, or once Spire is not done and dusted is the wrong word because I want to keep writing stuff for it. What I want to sure. do is is get to a point where Spire has enough of a following and enough of an interest where um, we can hire other writers to do that, and then and then we can use that as oversight. We can pay them. We can sell the books. 
and then we can we can move on to other things ourselves. And at that point, we'll start looking at supplier. But for right now, um, I think we're going like we're already we're already ahead of our of our projected income, which is nice. Like the nice. Kickstarter supply did really well. Um, That's awesome. And so hopefully we can. I think yeah, we're about two years ahead of where we're supposed to be. Uh, which is which is worth like I think like we we plan because like we're a startup we're in a niche we're in a niche industry and um, like one of us has a full time job alongside that and so right. what we've gone for I think we were going for something like um, eighty uh, thousand pounds turnover we wanted over two years which is not a huge deal of money but enough to sort of make the business do its thing and we got that in the first six months because of that because that Kickstarter which is really nice. And so now we just have to re-examine our goals and look at that. And like, we've got this, I hate using the term, we've got this IP, which we can leverage. Sure. And, and that's the thing, like, um, I've, I've struggled. Like, one, of the th- one of the problems I've, I've seen with Kickstarter, thing which I get really frustrated is, is when I go up and see something with a license attached to it. So I, I go and see, you know, um, your age of Conan's, your... Um, uh, I'm sure there are some of those. Anyway, point is, yeah. um, they, or like, or like, um, or like, oh yeah, this thing's just like that TV show you like. This one's got kids on bikes on it too. Let me find something <laughs> weird. Can we have some money? And that, that for me is like, so like, when you work with an existing IP, uh, I get a bit frustrated. I'm like, oh, I want an IP. I want people to play games because they like what someone else did. <laughs> but, but now we've got our own. So. You know, whatever. <laughs> we, can, we, we can try and make our own. We, we can try and we can try and. I I don't want to. I don't want to say definitely not on this. I, w- I want to try and develop Spy. I want to try and see if it captures people's imaginations. If it gives them a a means of like almost a cathartic like cathartic playing of rebellion and playing with fighting the power and playing with acting out their own fantasies in that way. And then you know the sky's the limit. Um, I've, I've I've been thinking. I've been fantasizing about a miniatures war game set in Spire. That would, be, <laughs> that would be really cool. But that's like no one no one should make a miniatures war game. Like, <laughs> it's like the the it's you've got to be Kingdom Death. And sure. I I have my I have issues with Kingdom Death. Which we won't go into here. Because we've had enough of that nightmare penises already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh... Well, that's 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 great. I I'm sure I, I know when it was on Spire was on Kickstarter. It was it was uh, really really talked about. It it blew up my uh, my Facebook feed, and uh, so I know it's going to be. Uh, uh, I have a feeling even once it once it's released and everything, you, you people will be playing it, and, and it will be this huge huge success for you. Four days until it comes out. Nice. Um, if if you're watching this and it, and four days have passed. Uh, you should be able to go to. Actually, I think you put a link down there. But you I will put a link to, down. Rowanrickanddeckard.com forward slash shop, and it should be somewhere on there. And also, you can find most of my other games, most of which are free. Nice. The thing, the vast majority of my games are free, but you can get them all from there. Um, yeah, sorry, I just started doing plugs, and it doesn't seem like the end of the episode. Is anything else? You good here? Let me think here. What else? Oh. Where where uh, are are you doing any? Uh, are you going to be at Gen Con? Are you doing any uh, conventions this year or uh, anything? I'm going um, to just going to share a little secret with you. Sure, I'm, sure. It's going to come. It's going to come out of this side of the podcast. I don't really like conventions that much. Ah, you and I are like that. I, I'm yeah. not a big convention person. I find myself swinging between drunk and hungover 
and very <laughs> tired. Like there's no like it's 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 there's like there's just a line of drunken hungover, and there's not like a, a, an enjoyable sober space in the middle. I've got to work at cons, otherwise mm-hmm. I don't I don't find it very enjoyable. Um, I'm interested in doing Gen Con. Uh, I think in the same, I'm interested in going to Las Vegas. In that neither of which, neither of them are going to be a very enjoyable experience, but certainly <laughs> memorable. Sure, um, sure. Like, I think I think we're planning. Um, we were we were looking at this year. I think we might have left it a bit late. I don't know. Uh, we're, we're doing uh, the UK board games uh, right. expo in the UK, which is the biggest one there. Um, a, a bunch of us um, indie types are hiring out a table and sort of like teaming up. Okay. So we'll have we'll have spy for sale there. We'll have um, our honey heist T-shirts for sale there. Yes, um, I was going to ask you. Uh, I, I need to get one of those. Uh, oh somehow. yeah, they're, they're still viable. You can, you can go to motif.com, honey heist RPG. All right. Um, and, and I think you should go track that down. Um, but we'll have a sale. We've got to have the one pages and stuff for sale. Um, but yeah, the uh, also we're doing nine worlds. So exclusive for you here. Nine Worlds is a really lovely, uh, this isn't exclusive, Nine Worlds is a really lovely, um, very inclusive um, fan convention. Okay. So it's more about the fandom than it is, is about the thing, as it were. Now, I mainly go to it because um, I can dress how I want when I go there and no one cares. Um, it's really cool about um, um, minority sexualities, about um, everyone has to wear their pronouns on their badge. Which is just like like I I I use he him pronouns. I look like a dude. I was born dude. It's of no consequence to me. Sure. Um, but yeah. I think it's really nice to provide a safe space for people where they can come and just use whatever pronouns they like, and that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, however, absolutely. We are hijacking it. Hmm. Um, so uh, so I, I run a game at the I run a, I run a game at Night Worlds called uh, Doctor Magna Hands. Um, oh yes. Like, like like that. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> Dr. Michael Hans is he, he is from Europe. Uh, he has kind of a voice like this, and he has uh, horseshoe magnets instead of hands. Uh, and it's a uh, it's a it's, it started as a drinking game, and it's become a kind of a live show, uh, which the audience turns up. Basically, the audience puts ideas in a hat, and that forms the villains and the superheroes and the plot. And we tell a story, and everyone gets drunk. Um, but the plan, I'm, I'm going to host a, a convention for my podcast at Night Worlds Convention without telling them. So nice. If you want to come along to the Hardy Dice Friends podcast, find us. <laughs> find us after 9pm on Friday, where things will be occurring. Nice. What don't you like about conventions? I I get uh, I, I love interacting with, with folks, but when it's like, when there's a lot of people, I get really, I get and there's like an anxiety issue there that, that just, like, when I can't feel like I can move Mm. And and it just it oh, and, I, and I I don't know what it is, but I always like interacting with people one on one. But just the whole like when you're shoulder to shoulder with folks and oh. you're you're like herded around and yeah. and you you know you're afraid you're gonna like bump into somebody like I I uh, just it, and I, I don't know what it is I I have a blast most of the time. Mm it's just those really busy days that yeah. uh, like the Friday, the Saturday, especially Saturdays mm-hmm. where, where like the, when it's the peak of the convention and, and you mm-hmm. just can't get around anywhere. I, you'll find me probably hiding, hiding out somewhere. Just read a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just, sure. uh, I can't take it. I did. I did a comic con, uh, 2000 yeah. and, 
2011, I think it was. It was 2000, either 2012, 2011 at a Comic Con um, for for my old job as a games journalist, and it was just a nightmare. Just mm. like like super hot outside because it's like San Diego in summer, baking hot, and you and you go in there, and there's just acres of flesh mm-hmm. and and like the smell. Yeah. Boys, boys, can we wash? Can we wash, boys? <laughs> can we get some dirt in? And it's just like just jammed into this sort of like like uh, you feel like livestock, and it takes you mm. so long to get. And I'm I'm trying to get to places for interviews at that point. I interviewed Sasha Gray and Hulk Hogan on the same day. Nice. Um, for both. <laughs> uh, I, that, that's before he came out as a horrible racist. He was only slightly racist back then. <laughs> <laughs> Sasha Gray, by the way, top person, like very interesting, brilliant oh, really? answers. Sure. At no point did, did did she devolve into conspiracy theories about DNA spoiling. Uh, <laughs> What's the hell she did? Oh, and then refused to lift me. <laughs> oh man, that's a shame. I uh, know, brother. I had some surgery on my back. Oh, come wow. on, you're the Hulk. <laughs> Kill me, consensually. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, conventions are grimy. I'm not a huge fan of like the of, like you're you're jammed in with other people, and also like you're sleeping in a strange place. You're not eating right. You never eat right. Oh yeah, you, ne- you never do. Um, I drink too much. I can mommy drink too much, but I drink too much at conventions just because I feel awkward and I need something in my hand to sort of interact. Um, I went to what the hell was I was at um. Dreamation, I think. Not Dreamation, the one after Dreamation. And um, I, I, I met a lot of people from from New Jersey, and we got high in their car. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> that was really nice. That was, that was a very civilized con experience, which I sat in a car park underneath <laughs> a hotel. <laughs> oh man, that was great. Um, but no, so um, we we need to we need to hit the American convention because that's the thing. I, I did Dreamation um, and uh, Metatopia because I lived in I lived in New York for nine months. Oh, okay. Being again for my partner's job, so I was living in Brooklyn, and because like because I was I, I was writing um, Paranoia, I was I was redesigning Paranoia. Um, yeah. James Wallace and that. I, uh, um, that 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 is in my notes here that you call okay. paranoia that because uh, I, I know uh, I know Alan's a big I have Alan Barr uh, another person that comes on and, and contributes to the show uh, he's a big paranoia fan and I was going to bring that up I, I it's up at the top of my notes and I didn't even I didn't even see it at yeah. first but uh, yeah you want to talk a little bit about that yeah sure it was an interesting challenge um, so we received uh, it was James Wallace who got me um, who sort of brought me on uh, I'd shown James so James Wallace is um, the What's the word? The self-acclaimed father of English role of UK role playing. That's a really important self-acclaimed. But James Wallace is—he's a—he's kind of—he's an industry. um, What's the word? Um, Linchpin. Like a a a a, 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 he's very he's been he's been in the industry for a long time. He he ran Hogshead Publishing. He published uh, Warhammer Fantasy in the UK and things. Um, So. Um, he was approached by Mongoose to write a game, and they said um, it needs cards. We need to have cards. Okay. And mm. so, yeah, don't know. Um, but like, 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 it needs cards. But also, you get a percentage of the Kickstarter. Yeah, sure, whatever, mate. Let's go. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> um, so, like, yeah, we got paid a percentage of the Kickstarter, which is super rare, and I'm really glad that they did that. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, we uh, we worked as a team um, without a team leader, which I can't recommend. 
we we wrote a book. I um I put my I put my uh, contribution in in February in March two thousand and fifteen, and the final manuscript was delivered in February two thousand and sixteen. Right, and I'd I'd stepped away from the project at that point, having ha- having delivered my contribution. Yeah. Um, it was there. There were a lot of problems in terms of delivery. Like I don't know what caused what. I sure, like because sure. I wasn't I wasn't well, I wasn't being paid to manage the project, and I wasn't managing it. Um, so I I I, I did my thing, and if, if if people wanted any any input, I read read over stuff, and, you know, made comments, etc., etc. Sure. Um, uh, I'm really proud of what we managed to build. Um, for me, I, I didn't really like paranoia as a rule set all that much. And you're not supposed to, um, but the problem with satire as a game is that you have to play it. It's not like watching a a satirical film where everyone does terrible things because it's satire. You have to have to, you you have to play through these joke rules. And so like, while I get that having like an incredible minutiae of skills and like really fine uh, grained skills is funny, you also have to deal with it. And once you've had that first, oh, make me a find um, monkey check. Oh, I've got to find monkey on my sheet. Oh, how funny. At that point, rather than just having a perception check, you know. Um, right, right. So I, I wanted to streamline it down, and I wanted to try and decentralize the power from the GM and have still have that sort of paranoia feel, but by using these cards and by using an alternative method of, of storytelling to still have these horrible things happen and still backstab and screw each other over, but have that on a have that almost one step removed because I got this card that said I could do it rather than I hate you and I'm going to stop you. It's more, it almost feels like the entire thing's run off a random table. So it feels a bit less confrontational. Um, mainly the people who I've seen who don't like it haven't read it or played it because because we changed communists to terrorists and they were like, what? This isn't the same as it was in 1984. I won't buy it. Okay, enjoy, enjoy your 1984 edition then, I guess. <laughs> um, I, th- I think we're also the first edition to mention gay sex, uh, which the computer views as a form of over-enthusiastic wrestling. Because <laughs> <laughs> it can't understand. Which I really <laughs> um, so yeah, um, we wrote Paranoia. Um, it, there, there, was some, there was some challenges there. And also like uh, we worked with a publisher and it was difficult for me to work with a publisher um, sure. because especially with an IP as valuable as, as Paranoia in mm-hmm. that we put this forward and then they kick it and then the publisher kicks it up the tree to the people who own the rights or the people who are interested in it, it comes back down. And blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. like, like compared to my compared to my day job, as it were, where I just sit down and write a thing and then it happens. Right, um, right. It can get quite frustrating. That, that's more me, I think, as a creator than the you know, inherent nature of um, publishing. Yep. Anyway, anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm digressing. No, um, no that's good. I, I totally, uh, I can totally relate to that. Um, when uh, so I was I was in the process of writing and playtesting Paranoia when, when I went to New York and Vinny, who runs um, the Duration and Meshtopia and the uh, Eastern Exposure games, was uh, like he he walked up to me and clapped his cut his hand on my shoulder and, and he was like, "We'll take care of you here. They won't take care of you, Gen Con." And sort of mm-hmm. sort of walked me over. I want you to run a Paranoia lab. What do you need? <laughs> and so. <laughs> And so, and so, like, like, um, we ended up doing like I think I think he kind of might have regretted his decision because <laughs> what what happened? It was called Happy Birthday Friend Computer, and it was kind of a cross between drug dealing, um, murder, and arts and crafts. <laughs> in, in the, in the, like, and, and, and also, also, I thought I turned up three hours early, and I turned up five minutes before the game was supposed to start because Ooh. of miscommunication. 
yeah, so, so I, I just walked I just walked in really blase and then like the, the organizers they're ripping out their hair. Um, um anyway, so like, yeah. I, I goofed on, on a few things. I'd get the trainer from New York. Anyway, point is um <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was it was friend computer's birthday and um we had different teams, so like like some of them were making uh, birthday plinths, you know, like big birthday towers like you make. Sure. Um, some of them were doing birthday floats, the birthday parade, and like, like, like they went upstairs and got their like inflatable beds and stuck them to chairs and stuff. Um, there were some people doing uh, birthday songs and birthday plays, all the while murdering each other for profit. <laughs> so it was really, and like every time you died, you had to go and fill out a, a form in a different room, like reason for dying, reason for wasting clothes. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and I, I'm glad to have taken paranoia in a different direction because I think that. It's been it's been not stagnating. I really liked um, XP in as much as I liked what it tried to do to standardize things. Uh, I also think that, that Paranoia XP was a great book to read and it had a much tighter control over the fluff and over the modernization of the book than the previous editions had. Um, but I think it was nice to take it and to take it in a place which said, look, at the GM, of course you have ultimate power. This is paranoia. You can do what you want. But it might be fun if you're surprised too. It might be fun if you let the players screw each other and sort of mess around with that. And I'm, I'm happy to have made that happen. Nice. Yeah, I think. Uh, I, I think I think that's all all of the notes that well, I have. I'm trying, I'm trying to. Do you have any, well, Do you have any, any more questions for Grant? Uh, any uh, Kent? Uh, do you have anything that uh, you wanted to bring up or? Oh no! I brought up giraffe fighting, and, and you know we, yeah, that, that, we, we covered the whole duck thing. So I think yeah, I'm yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah no. I, uh, this has been quite the interview. It has. It has. It's been. It's yeah, been it's a blast. Happened. It's. It's. It's exactly what I hoped it would be because I just from like I said from from reading your your work online and and uh, you know the little bits and pieces that you glean from 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 sources online. I I, I had a feeling that this was going to be quite the quite entertaining and, and it hasn't disappointed and and i clearly, like I said, clearly a man with no um what's the word respect for uh, tradition <laughs> so that's what i like to think of myself <laughs> no, it, it, it's great i i love having people that are just really creative and think differently and 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 to just have great ideas and, and grant you're you're definitely one of those that's those right. folks and 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 it's so great to see your work in 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 the industry and and i i wish you so much success because you. you're just a just a, a phenomenal human being and, and I'm, i i can't wait to see more and more stuff come out from you yeah. and, and and uh you know I, I, on wednesday i know spires like it's lovely to be um, uh, interviewed by people who are disenthused about role-playing games and about the idea of role-playing games, and also kind of how the sausage is made. And to to hear like 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 oh, so what was that like? Rather than tell me about your goblins, you know, so that's, it's nice. It's nice to happen. Well, um, I just I really like I think I think game designers in general are, are really undervalued in this in this industry. Like people really love the games. But like those games wouldn't exist without people like you, you know, and and and, yeah. and like we we really need to make sure that the folks recognize how many how much. I think I, I think I think, there's, like, there's a, I think there's a balance to be struck there. I think like because because I operate through crowdfunding, I I've worked really hard to um to almost generate a cult of personality around myself. Like I've worked hard to be like to be interested in other things and operating communities and try and get to the point where people know me and respect me and mm -hmm. are interested, respect me, respect my work, etc. You know. Right. Um, 
because in the crowdfunding uh, arena, like it actually matters what you look like, and not sorry, not not, not so that you have to be handsome, but saying like it, mm-hmm. like pe- people recognize you and they see you at a corner, they see you know, they recognize your name, they recognize this right. thing. That's a fairly big deal as opposed to oh, this is a, this is a new edition of Dungeons and Dragons. Like a lot of people don't know who wrote. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know who wrote Dungeons and Dragons for that. Right, I'm actually right. not sure. And um, like that's so iconic that it tends to weep whatever authors you put near it, you know. Right. Um, but the operating as an Indian, operating on the scope that I am, there's there's kind of there's a pressure I think to be a character. There's a pressure to, um, and I mean like both as like an interesting character, but also there's there's a level of artifice to this. There's a level of um, performance in sure, sure. Uh because you have to try and get people inside. You have to try and get people excited. And so I think that. Um, it's an important skill to learn for anyone like because this is hustling you know this is like this oh, is absolutely. like like this is like I, I get up every day and i have to try and convince people to give me money for something they do not need <laughs> like, no <laughs> it's not like i'm selling diapers or beer you know <laughs> hey I, I totally get that it's, it's yeah. uh you know it, it, just being just doing this you know you mm. you, you you put your you you try you 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 don't want to be the. You have to kind of shout the loudest to get people to to, to uh, pay attention to. But yet you don't want to shout so loud that you're obnoxious. But yet you want to be different from everybody else too. It's 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 tough. It's tough. And the one thing that I really like, and you're talking about Kickstarter, and and I I'm a huge. I love Kickstarter. Like I I, I probably shouldn't love Kickstarter as much as I do. But the thing that I really like about Kickstarter is the fact that, and I've said this a couple other times, with projects you are building your community before you're putting out your project yeah. or you you know so where where is like normal it used to be you'd put out a product and then the community would build around it it it's really changed the dynamic of of uh, of the way this industry works and and I love that part of it because you have people that once you put something out there's this whole army of folks that are just so excited that it releases and it just kind of carries you on, whereas before you'd put something out and, you know, you'd have to, like, put out ads or whatever and, and hope yeah. that people bought into it. The thing which has really fascinated me, and I'm, I've got that off fairly soon, uh, the thing which has really interested me, I've had much more interest in games that don't exist than games that do. Sure. Um, I released, uh, so it's a game I wrote, uh, the, 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 main, the main game I released before, so Goblin Quest was the first Kickstarter I did, and that was, that, that was a nightmare in delivery um, because I... I moved countries twice during it, but I released a game called Havoc Brigade. And Havoc Brigade, it, I think it's probably the work that I'm proudest of. I, it's, it's 25 pages long. Um, it's fully illustrated. It's a it's a one-shot game where you play six orcs on an infiltration mission mm-hmm. um, into a human city trying to, like, trying to kidnap a prince. Um, and it's really rules-like. It's really designed to sort of like, it's basically, it's kind of like a pub crawl, but also okay. you set, that stuff on fire and abducted prince and it was so much fun and like the art's brilliant i've got uh tim tim wilkinson lewis who did the map for spy he did all the art for it it looks brilliant and it was free and i put it out for free and no one played it no one knew about it i shouted as i could i shouted as loud as i could oh, it's this great game try it and like it's got really like um like whenever i've spoken to people played it they're like oh yeah i love that game but it was free and i put it out and then people were like oh it can't be that good uh, right promise of a game oh what what could this game be? This Goblin Quest. I love it. Have go 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 go. <laughs> and that and like like um, Mr. Wilfred, you're not selling the sausage. You're selling the sizzle. 
And sure. It's, yep. It's so like you got to you got to get your sizzle on point. Exactly. Um, exactly. And also, like, because in role playing games, what you're selling them is the idea of the world they will build with their friends when they play the game. Right. Yeah. Which is so far removed from <laughs> me just typing words. As that's like, 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 basically, what I'm selling them is the chance to take part in a in, in a, an amateur improvised performance of my story. <laughs> <laughs> I think on that, I'm going to have to head off traps. No, I, hey, Grant, thank you so much for, for coming on. It's, it's definitely, no uh, we're, 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 we're an hour and a, almost at an hour and a half, and I, and I slotted an hour for this, and, and I, I appreciate you staying on a lot. No no um, everybody, uh, check out uh, Grant's uh, Patreon. Check out Point. Spire, no, no. On, and I'll put all the links. Actually, Grant, uh, what I'll do is I'll have you email me, and I'll uh, I'll make sure that that way I'll, I'll have all the the uh, the correct links in the description below. Check out Spire that comes out on Wednesday. And uh, for is it just just for backers or is that, um, that's sorry, for it's, it's just for backers on Wednesday. I think we're, we're going to try and get PDFs set up as soon as we can. But like the backers are more important right now. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, check out uh, Kent uh, uh, for role on role to play podcast. And yeah, that's going to do it for us. Uh, thanks everybody for watching. This has been uh, do, my name. Do, is, do, you have, like, do you have a catchphrase? That you I do. When, when you're, what is it? Uh, because winning shouldn't be the only victory condition when you get to the table. We'll see you next video. Oh, nice. See you the next uh, video. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> do it properly. That's good. Do it properly. <laughs> we'll we'll see, see you next time. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Visit row2playpodcast.com for more information. R O L L 2playpodcast.com. Like us over on Facebook at Row2Play Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Row2PlayPod. Have a question or comment? Email us at Row2PlayPodcast at gmail.com. If you want to play with a game with us, just hit us up on any of our social media and let us know. And lastly, our music is the intro track from the Spellbreaker EP by Triatachion. Visit SoundCloud.com slash Triatachion.